The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Two Robbies podcast with me, Robbie Musto, and not Robbie Earl today. This is a special podcast, and I have today a special guest, and that guest is Mark Clattenburg, the former Premier League referee. Just a little bit of background information about Mark's career. He began officiating in the Premier League in 2004, went on to officiate high-profile matches such as the 2016 Champions League final between Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid and the Euro 2016 final between France and Portugal. Officiated Premier League match in 2017. That was his last game to become the head of refereeing of the Saudi Arabia Football Federation. Wow, welcome in, Mark. Um, and wow, I mean, you got to the pinnacle of refereeing. And I remember watching games and analysing games and talking about games. And I think it was pretty well known that you were the top guy and did a great, great job. It was a shock to me and others that that you ended up leaving the Premier League to go and take this new position. Give us a little insight into what the thought process, when I thought you were, of course, at the peak and doing a great job, why did you leave? It was an easy decision, 100% easy decision. And the difficulty is, as you said earlier, I started in 2004. Therefore, 14 years at the top in the Premier League was tough. It's mentally tough, it's physically tough. And sometimes doing the same routine, same job, preparing the same. But players and do that. Yeah, players do that. I did that for 18 years. But then I'd lost my goal. And my goals, okay, you get the chance to referee the FA Cup final. You get the chance to referee the Champions League, Euro, Olympics. The problem in refereeing is you only get the chance to referee them once. People don't understand that. People think, well, you can go and do the Champions League final again. I couldn't. So therefore, all my goals had been taken away. So every time I was training, physically training on the on the treadmill or on a pitch, I didn't have that desire anymore. I didn't have that drive. So you needed more of a of an incentive than just doing regular Premier League games that are, that are pretty exciting and and and, and incredibly high level. The Premier League is the best league in the world, without doubt. It was a buzz to go and referee in in, in front of you know fifty thousand people, go to Old Trafford, Emirates, Stamford Bridge. It was fantastic. Mm. And, you know, many people will say, well, hold on, Mark. You know, it should be a privilege to be. What a great job. You know, I would like to do that. But because I'd been in it so long, achieved everything. When I went and evaluate me, because I used to set myself goals every year, I didn't have any more goals except the World Cup finals. And then when Saudi Arabia Football Federation came along and said, Mark, would you, would you like to come and head our refereeing um, and referee some matches? I thought, this is a new challenge. Mm. This is a new culture. Um, and, it, and it appealed to us. And 18 months later, I've got no regrets. Was there a specific game where you thought, you know what, I've had enough of this. Yeah. Maybe I will look for something different. 100%. It was Stoke City via Manchester it? United. and It was in December. It was cold. You know, anybody that knows Stoke, the, <laughs> it's one of the it's coldest. Wind, the windiest stadium in the world. It's the coldest stadium in the world. And 
I remember coming off in Stoke Stoke City v Manchester United. It's never an easy match. Never an easy mm. match. It's Stoke's a difficult place to referee. The crowd are always up for it. Um, and when you've got Manchester United playing away from home, it's always different. And I thought I'd come off and I thought, you know what? I've just put in a good shift. I was happy with my performance. Um, called the big decision correct on Ryan Shaw crosses handball because I knew I'd seen it. I was in the mm. perfect position. I didn't need mm. video technology. And Jose Mourinho came in. Uh, they were usually allowed in 30 minutes after the game. He came in and he wasn't happy with me performance again. Um, and, I, and I asked him why he, he was upset. And he, he said, you've missed a handball. I've seen it on the video and uh, it's a clear handball. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. I'm, I'm com- confident with my decision. And he put in an element of doubt in and had a bit of an argument and there was things said that will stay in the dressing room. And I thought, why is he playing mind games? There's no need um, when I'm experienced, he knows how I'm going to operate. And when I'm driving home, I drove three hours home thinking I'd made a huge error. And then I'm thinking all the death threats, all the, the, the negativity on social media, the journalists back home giving us, giving us um, no support. Um, and it's soul-destroying to drive three hours home thinking you've made a mistake. And when I get home, I see the decision's correct, and I'm thinking, Why? Wow. I'm just I'm just surprised, Mark, at the, the, the level that you got to regularly. That that you would take his words and other managers' words as if that there's a little bit of insecurity, like well, maybe I did make a mistake. Though you were confident at the time, you looked at it back, and you're absolutely right. But still, those words from him and others, I guess, just puts the pressure on. And that you said about the mentality part of it, this difficult over a longer period of time. Is that what you're talking about? The, the mental challenges from the, the, the media, from managers, from players at times on the field of play, I'm sure, that's always trying to poke at you and, and, and getting under your skin all the time. And that's the difficulty. That's the, when when you, you're at the top of your game, when you're refereeing the big finals, it puts added pressure because everybody... I remember coming back the season after the... the following season after the Champions League final and the, and the Euro final in 2016. I started the following season off under huge pressure. Okay, the players, seen as in a different world, they are thinking, hold on, Mark Clattenburg's refereed in the Euro final. Doesn't that ease games. the pressure, Mark? It does. It does with the players, but right. it doesn't with it doesn't with the coaches and the in uh, the in the in the journalists because they expect mm. you never to make a mistake. Oh, okay. And I'm a human being. Humans make errors. That's why we keep talking about video technology. Mm. I'll always make mistakes. They're honest mistakes. But one thing referees, especially in England and all over the world, they want to get everything right. Yes, you're not going to be loved, but all you want is to be respected for the job that you do. And every referee goes out to give the best he can be. Do you think that pressure over recent years, if you like, in the Premier League, with all the intensity and the the scrutiny, I guess, and all the camera angles, is this something that we might see more often, Mark, where referees that, that maybe we all feel could continue decide to you know what I've had enough now because the pressure's got so crazy we've got a similar situation with Bobby Madley he's now left the, the group and uh, he's going out to, to another country and you know this is a young guy 32 year old and people are leaving younger and this is what's creating the problem with the, the referees at the moment people say to me is the refereeing standards in the Premier League getting weaker it's not getting weaker it, it is but it's not because of performance it's because of age the group's getting a lot older. They're trying to bring young guys in. But the problem when you bring young guys in, they're going to leave earlier because you can't, like I've just said, mm. 14 years being 
scrutinized like we, like play, uh, referees are it takes its toll in the end so if you get a young referee starting at 28 29 which michael oliver did i can't see michael lasting past 40 because he's been in that game too long and the pressures will catch up anything can I mean, we'll go on to talk about um, maybe improvements later on in the podcast. But just on that, anything is there a solution to this added pressure and the longevity shortening with, with referees now? Anything that's just off the top of the head, you think, you know what, if that happened, people might stay in it a little bit longer? Yeah, I think the, I think refereeing outside your country helps. Right. I think, um, and it'll happen, I'm sure, in future years. I know countries are doing it. Saudi Arabia is one. Greece is another. There's a lot of countries now bringing in international referees. And what it does is it eases the burden. It eases the burden on your domestic referees. Mm. And also, it gives the clubs and the fans a chance to see other type of referees. And it's interesting. When, when, in, when, when two teams are playing in the Champions League or Europa League, I remember a situation. It was uh, Liverpool-Manchester United, semi-final, in the Europa League. I asked... Who, who were the two referees in the first and second leg? Nobody knew. Nobody knew. One month later, if that was me refereeing them games in the Premier League, everybody would know. They're still talking about me decisions that I given <laughs> Man United in 2007. <laughs> so this is what could help. Hmm. Let's just switch tax a little bit here. And um, VAR was, was, I thought, going into the World Cup, I think I remember tweeting it out saying, this is make or break for VAR. And I was always a little bit skeptical, like, wow, do we really want to go through the process and the delays and the controversies for the sake of turning over some, some bad mistakes? So I was a bit skeptical, but the World Cup, I thought on the whole, Mark, I was impressed with it. I thought it did a really good job. I thought the delays weren't too bad. Yes, there were probably three or four that we could all argue about, but in general, I thought it was really well done. And the Premier League, I think, had already made the owners, the clubs themselves, had already made the decision before the World Cup that it wasn't going to come into the Premier League. Give me your thoughts on the VAR setup in general and how it was used at the World Cup. And then, I guess, the, in England, the Premier League, will it, how and when will it come in? For sure, the, the, the video assistant referee was always going to be a positive step. And was it, was it perfectly ready for the World Cup? No, definitely not. You know, you look at the MLS... You look at Germany, mm. you look Italy. at Holland, Italy, Australia, the major countries that are using VAR, it's took them years. And even I see in the MLS, there's still mistakes yeah, yeah. with the video. Mm. So it's the problem is when you bring in a new system in, it needs time to, to, to improve. You're going to have situations which it's going to cross between is it, isn't it? But eventually people will accept it. So it wasn't ready to roll out for the World Cup, but they had to use it because it's a FIFA, uh, it's a FIFA decision. It was a FIFA idea. So why would you not have a system put in place which was theirs? Because four more years down the line, it's probably too late. So you thought? So you were worried about it then going into the World Cup? I was hugely worried because the Premier League had give us a negative feeling. It gave us a negative feeling because when I watched certain games, one came to mind was Tottenham and. Um, the cup game, Tottenham, I'm trying to think. You need Robbie Hill. He's got a great uh, memory. I have. Tottenham Rochdale, so you can edit that. So it's Tottenham Rochdale. Okay. And there was so much negative um, information given from the video assistant referee to the referee. The referee was overusing it. There was too many stoppages. It right. stopped the flow of the game. So people got negative. And what but that's just in England. 
Was it always that negative in other countries? I feel like England didn't do a great job. Wasn't that many games in terms of testing? And other countries maybe have more success? But only people, it's interesting because people only look at the negatives. We're, we're never going to look at what the positive nature of this technology was going to do. It was to stop the scandal. It was to stop mm. the moments like Frank Lampard's goal, mm. uh, which happened in the previous World Cup. This is what FIFA couldn't allow. Okay, we've got decisions which are debatable, which are, is it a penalty, isn't, isn't it? Um, these are the ones that should just stay with the on-field decision. They, whatever the referees give, we can, we can accept this is part and parcel of the game. Mm. But what referees need to have is where they've made an absolute howler and one comes to mind, Thierry Henry's handball yeah. against Ireland. Yeah. This was such a big decision, which is completely incorrect, and therefore VAR was important. But going into the World Cup, the first few games I was positive. Mm. And what I, what I did see very noticeably, video allowed more attack and play. It, it created more set players, goals from corners, from attack and free kicks. I think it was over 40% of goals scored in the World Cup yeah. were from set players. That was because of video technology. So explain. Because VAR stops players holding because you run the risk mm. of the video referee mm. giving a penalty kick. So people were less blocking, mm. less holding, mm. which created more space for the attackers to attack the defenders and therefore creating goal scoring opportunities. So there was a positive. That was one positive. Yep. The second positives were it was putting right the mistakes. There was a, a mistake in the France-Australia game which was overturned. It's a foul. And it was Germany. Did, the Germany one, wasn't it? It was offside. The, the offside against Korea. Yeah. The, these were positive moments. Right. There was also some negative moments. England, Tunisia, mm. the holding and the penalty area. Mm. But what FIFA did during the tournament, and it was noticeable for me, was to stop the video referee making the final decision. Early part of the, the tournament, because I was so worried about the time, Mm. that was taken for, for reviews. To get for the referee to run to the side of the pitch, to look at the screen and to, to review it two or three, four times or whatever. This was a worry. But what the event then did, they changed it. So they stopped the video referee working out what's a clear and obvious error, which is dangerous because what you think is a clear and obvious error, I might think it's not. I want the referee on the pitch to go and review so, it. So you're okay with the extra time taken for him to go over there and review it himself? Yeah. Instead of it being quicker when the guy is in his ear saying, okay, Mark, listen, that, that was a mistake you made there. That's a penalty. If it's matter of fact, right. if it's clear matter of fact, like it's an offside or the handball in yesterday's game, Wolverhampton Wanderers against Manchester City, that is a clear situation. Mm. Okay. They're the ones that you can say at the referee, that's a handball. Therefore, I would like that. I would like that reversed. Where there's a high debate... I've got no problem, and I would want the video referee just to say, Mark, please go to the side of the pitch and check your decision. Because what I believe, you might have made an error. But then it's my final then, say. But does that become a re-refereeing situation where... It, and then, shouldn't they just say to you, Mark, we think that's an obvious error? No, because what happened in the World Cup, especially in the England-Tunisia game, the video referee's tolerance of what was right. a clear and obvious error was too high because... Are we seeing them them two holds in yeah. the penalty area on penalties? The clear penalties. Hmm. There was a situation in the Serbia uh, Serbia game against Serbia where Mitrovic was getting held down by the Swiss players. Clear penalty, but the video referee didn't think it was a clear and obvious error. But I'm sure if the video referee had said to Felix Breach, who was the referee, Felix, go to the review area and just check that's not a penalty. I'm sure he would have come up with a different decision. So you're you're, you're 
basically saying that a couple of tweaks to the way that the system works is in order. And also you're saying that sometimes the system works okay, but the people reading those, those images is not okay. So it's a two-step process of trying to make it better for the future of football over the world, the system, and getting the, 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 the video uh, assistant referees better practice than what they're meant to be doing. Yeah, but also, you know, I'm always looking to improve football. Yes, we use referees. Sometimes referees aren't good video referees. It's interesting. Top referees don't always make good video referees because they're not comfortable. They're not confident. They don't. They're, they're taking too long in the review process. Mm. Maybe sometimes an ex-player, because all I want is the 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 decision reviewed. So all the person has to do is say, actually, I think that's an error. Please go and check it. When it's a, it, and when you're looking at situations where it's a penalty, red card, mm. go. So we're not looking at every decision on the halfway line. We're not saying, "Oh, that's a foul. That's a push. That's mm. a, a, a is it a, is it is it a is it a handball?" It's mm. only if yeah. it leads to a goal. So how many times does that happen? Mm. Maybe a few times a game. So is it? So talking about the Premier League in England, is it going to come in next season? I, I personally think it will do. And do you think it's the right call? I believe it'll come in also, but it's it'll depend on the, how the clubs vote. The clubs. Mm. have to vote there's got to be 14 so there has to be 14 people or 14 chairmen to say yes we want video technology for next season I think that the, they'll watch the World Cup and some will be more positive I think they're going to trial it again during the season and once all the clubs are happy then the Premier League will bring it in but like I said it has to be a 14-6 vote or more than 14-6 vote for it to be implemented I think we've already seen plenty of instances so far this season, even this weekend, where I think people are saying, even the the, um, the journalists are asking the managers, you know, would you have liked to have seen VAR because that looked like a real error? And some of them, I think Pep didn't really answer the question. Um, I just think that every time now there's a bad error, people are going to uh, immediately say, wow, you know, if this was in the World Cup, this VAR, this wouldn't have um, have occurred. And I think the pressure will build to bring it in for next season. But yeah, agree. I, you're right. It's, it's I, down to clubs, isn't it? 100% I think the clubs will agree but even Roy Hodgson in the game today Watford Crystal Palace it's fascinating he actually doesn't blame the referee he actually understands how the referee could have missed the mm. challenge on Saha because it happened so quick mm. it happens in a split second mm. but when they've got the chance to see replays and when referees sit down on an evening I used to always when I drove home I would always watch my game back when you analyse your game back in the cold light of day with a clear head you make a different decision. Mm. Just finally on VAR, Mark. So you really are in favour of this system. It's going to come in for you with some tweaks and improvements, but it's something that, that we're all going to have to get used to, pundits, players, managers, fans, everybody, because it's the right thing to do. It's always about... The only th everything should be geared up for improving football. And if video technology improves football and makes the right decisions... Mm better decisions yeah, in a timely it stops, manner it'll stop players simulating it'll stop uh, holding in the penalty area it'll create more goals it'll create more excitement mm. the only thing with video technology going forward is it needs to be transparent at the moment it's not transparent I want to know even and I would be comfortable as a referee to be able to let people know what my conversation is because I want people to understand the process what I'm looking at, I'm looking at offside, 
I've got this, I've got this. I'm checking for handball in the build-up. I'm also checking if there's a ball out of play. Now, finally, I'm looking at offside. Look, we've got no offside. Therefore, now I'm looking to see if it's a foul or not. Okay, it's not a foul. Then we can move on. I mean, and people, people will be fascinated. To I, think it's, I think that would be fascinating. I think it's a brilliant idea. And and, and how about this as well? When you are, because we, we have it in uh, American sports and the NFL and the little referee will, will go to his little belt and turn his little microphone on and, and say what he's got to say. It, whilst, if a, if a Premier League referee is doing that, would it stop? I think it would. Players surrounding the referee, having a go, probably swearing and abusing the referee because they're saying, oh, hang on a minute, he's actually talking to everybody on a microphone here. We better keep away. So that might be an added benefit of having that system. But I, I, I love that. Okay, uh, guys, we're, you know, there's a possible offside here we're looking at. And tell everybody what's going on. I think that was, that's a great idea. Do you think that that could come in? Uh, uh, I guess... It will. It'll it, only be a matter of time. They'll not really? do it straight away. It will be a crazy time to do it straight away because they've got in... They've got to bring a new system, a new bit of technology, mm. especially in the Premier League. Get it to work first, get an understanding, and then take it to another level. You don't want to start at the top level and then everything else is fallen, fallen by the wayside. Let's get the system working. Let's get it working the best we can. Let's mm. improve decision-making, make the referee's accuracy. We'll never get 100% because still a lot of opinion. Mm. But then open it up to listening to the footage. But also, you know, the Premier League's fortunate um, it's very expensive to go and watch football. But we need the fans back in the stadium. That's what builds the atmosphere. Of course it is. So even having the, big, having the decisions on the big screens, showing like the that? people... You like that? Yes, because people are paying a lot of money to go and watch the stadium. If not, I would rather go and watch it on TV where I get six replays mm -hmm. and I get to listen to the video footage, uh, the, the video assistant referee's footage. So mm. let's bring everything into the stadium. Let's move technology on another level, but only when uh, it's ready. And at the moment... We are talking like hypothetical because we haven't got the video technology in, in the Premier League. But I'm sure over the next one or two seasons, it will be in. Now, of course, VAR is brought about to try and help refereeing in football. Just forgetting that, that system, just give us a few ideas of your own about how refereeing can improve in, in the game. One thing I always learned, and this is why I was successful in 2016, um, I probably made mistakes in 2016, like every referee does. But what made us more successful than most people was I started to understand football. And Pierluigi Colina gave us the insights. He, he made us look at football from a different angle. I used to just referee and know the laws of the game. Laws of the game, that was my decision. But I then started to think... Well, how, actually, did he, how did he do that? What, what did he, he say started, it was, it was a It was a semi-final. It was uh, Bayern Munich against uh, Barcelona. And... Um, we had a situation in the first leg. Nikolai Rizzoli was the referee. I was refereeing the second leg. And there were six situations where Thiago, who was the smallest player from Bayern yeah, Munich, yeah. he was standing next to Pique from Barcelona. And what he was doing was every ball that was played in from corner kicks or attacking phases of play, he was blocking Pique. And anybody that knew at that time, Barcelona, their back four, Mascarano, Alba, Pique, um, Daniel and Alves. Alves. Yeah. So you had four players who, three of them, are really small players. Where Bayern Munich are all tall players, Lewandowski, uh, Muller, huge players. Mm. And what this, what what Thiago was doing was just blocking Pique, who was trying to meet every ball because he was the tall player from Barcelona, and they cre for creating space for the for the tall men of Bayern Munich. Pierluigi Cleaner sat down and he showed us some videos and. 
I was like, I was taken away. I was breathtaking. I was like, wow, this guy. You wouldn't have expected like, it. Or no. You wouldn't have even looked for it because nobody he's would, so small against a big guy. Nobody would. So I went into the first, into the second leg, and I give a free kick after 13 minutes. And I've I've listened to the the audio back from the from the uh, the TV company who were covering the match. Nobody mentioned it, but what happened was there was a free kick in the 13th minute. I give the free kick. I can see Thiago standing next to to Pique. So I've just gone towards Thiago and said, "I'm watching." And I also gestured with my eyes because sometimes the English is, is lost in translation. Mm. I'm watching. Pique is looking, going, oh my God, who's this guy? Because I hadn't refereed at this level before. You know, we're talking semifinals. Um, I was young. Uh, it was a few years before. The, I think it was about 2014. So I was still trying to... Get to the pinnacle. To, to pinnacle, yeah. yeah. So the, I can hear the, the coach from uh, Barcelona going crazy with a fourth official because I can hear the conversation. Saying this is a tactic, this is a tactic. As the ball comes in, Thiago blocks. Uh, Thiago blocks Pique. Free kick. Basic free kick. Nobody even commented. Pique is clapping. Thiago is like, okay, okay then. The coach from Barcelona has gone to the fourth official saying, how does he understand? How does he know this? Don't mm. worry, don't worry. How does he know this? After this, the rest of the match was the easiest semi-final mm. I've ever had a referee because the players went, I'm not going to get away with anything. He knows our tactics. And sometimes referees are guilty of not understanding the game or they'll react to situations. How, how do they improve on that? I mean, Kalina's not going to be able to talk to every referee. But, but I mean, they've got to start understanding football and that's where possibly going into clubs, mm. speaking to players. Because, okay, players aren't going to tell you your tactics. But in rugby, for example, in rugby union in, 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 in Southern Hemisphere, the referees will go and see the clubs 24 hours before the game. And a club's allowed to say... Look, this is this is what they're doing. This is what they're doing. The holding the ball, the the claps and the scrums. So, the referees are aware of their tactic, and they're allowed to do that. It's and funny. It's funny. Sorry, Mark. It's funny because I think as a professional player, I would assume that the guy refereeing knows the game really well. I would just assume that for him to be in the situation here, refereeing in this game, I would assume that. No, he knows the laws of the game. He knows the laws of. But the he's game. a fan of the game, isn't he? But a fan's different. A fan's different. A fan doesn't understand the tactical okay, side of so the professional tactic. side of the game. The, yeah. the real, the, re the real, stuff. yeah. Like for example, corner kicks. Who blocks? Where's the runners? Who's on the back posts? Who, you know, is it an in swinger? Is it an out swinger? How would you know that before the corner? It's easy because you know he's a right foot or a left footer. Mm. These things are important tools for referees because it's where you stand. If you know it's an out swinging corner, you know it's going to go towards the penalty spot. If it's an in-swinger, it's going to be around about the edge of the six-yard six area. So it's, you've got to be mindful and understand. And when I started to understand football from that moment on, I started to see football in a different way. And it helped me referee and players see me in a different way. That begs the question, why don't more ex-footballers become referees? That's difficult, this one. Difficult question because we had a one in, in England, Steve Baines from Chesterfield, and... Steve was an ex-player. He was fast-tracked into, into refereeing. And it, it's a funny story. He was, he was a referee and I was an assistant when I was young. <laughs> and right. as we warmed up before the game, 30 minutes before the game, we're warming up together as a three, with two assistants and Steve Baines. Next thing I know, I can't find Steve Baines. And I'm looking around and he's actually warming the goalkeeper up, knocking the balls into the <laughs> middle, of, middle of the goal to warm the goalkeeper up. And you, you realise that he still wanted to play football. He, he didn't have the necessary... 
the necessary, not education, but the tools to, to make that transition. Plus, what he thought was a foul, sometimes we're bordering. You know, I think most referees, if they see it once or twice, they understand what's a bad foul. Mm. Referee uh, players sometimes think, well, look, I've won the ball. Yeah, but you've, you've, mm. you've also cleaned the man out as well. So mm. it's making that transition. It's not always easy. It's, it's been fascinating, Mark, and it's so interesting. And, and just finally, just love to get your kind of, I don't know, reflections on your career and any regrets. Um, just just kind of, I know you've changed now and you're doing a different position, but you've had a long time in the game. Just give me some final thoughts on the state of refereeing and how your thoughts have, have kind of morphed over, you know, the, the, the many years you've been in it. There's always going to be regrets. There's highs and there's lows. I, you know, I've made many mistakes in games. I've influenced games, you know, by some of my decision making, which is, you know, I've regretted. But that, for that comes with the territory. I mean, ev everybody is. on that field of players made it, mistakes. It is, but what people don't understand actually, mistakes are a positive, because it makes you better. Because I'll analyse my game. I remember me first, me first, one of my first big games when I was younger, in uh, Liverpool Everton or Everton Liverpool, and I had an absolute nightmare. I made many bad errors, um, but that made me stronger. That mm. probably made uh, mm. me successful in 2016 was the errors you want to put right. You want to you improve. I wanted to improve. I wanted to be as fit as I could. Um, I just wanted to be the best I could be. I never thought I was ever going to be the best referee in the world, but I just wanted to be the best I could. And I, I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn off the best. People like Pierluigi Colina. Um, but I wanted to understand the game as well. I wanted to to understand what happens in a game, you know, understand the tactics, how teams play, how they set up formations. Mm. And this 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 helped me and you know, refereeing itself, you know, I've got absolutely no regrets. Could I have went to the World Cup final? Possibly. But when when Saudi Arabia came along and offered it as a different direction, it would have been a regret if I hadn't took it because it was an unknown. Doing what I'm doing now it You're gives us a, it? Yeah, because it gives us also the chance to to work in the media because in refereeing, you can't have a, you're not allowed to speak. You're not allowed to have a speaking mm. part. You can't work for TV. You can't w work for newspapers. You can't speak out. And I'm not wanting to speak out negatively because pe people will always say, you know, Mark Clattenberg's a bad referee. Some people say I'm a good referee. That's opinions. Um, but what I did, I wanted the game to be played the best it could be. And even even now, I think about the game deeply. And, there's, a, there's two law changes I would love to see in the in the world of football. And one of them is, I hate time wasting. It, it, it irritates us. It irritated as a referee and it still irritates us as a fan. Mm. And I'll use the word time wasting or we call time absorption, which is another one. So a goalkeeper takes too long at a goal kick. Give him, give him a time or a bit like the six-second rule. It very rare gets used, but within a time scale, if it like maybe... 10 seconds or 12 yeah, seconds. It, and you'd really it, be strong with it. And, and you give a corner. So instead, so if it's a goal kick and he's taking too long, have the power to give a corner kick. It might never be used, but it would stop the goalkeeper mm. delaying the restart. And also as a throw-in, you know, the throw-ins are irritating. Players are deliberately moving up the line and they're laughing about it. Then you send them back. Mm. Then they'll take a yellow card in the 89th yeah, minute. This is all, this is all time wasting, and isn't it? all you need to do is just go, okay. What about the real time? Turn it over. What about real time stopping a clock? But that's a very much an American American yeah. thing in sport, but you know football. I think they're going to trial it soon. Oh, it's it's in it's in the in, in the pipelines to to have two thirty minute halves, two yeah. th full yeah. thirty minute halves. Mm. But it's interesting because when I first refereed in the Champions League, 
uh, back in 2006, 2008-ish. It was, football was only about a 43-minute, 45-minute, 46-minute game. Now, Champions League at the top level is a 70-minute game. So it's interesting mm. how, you know, the game's becoming faster and the laws are creating more play, which creates more goal and excitement. That's what we want to see. Mm. Listen, mate, it's been fascinating, marvellous. Thanks so much for coming on to the Two Robbies podcast and I hope we will see you around here many times in the near future. It's a pleasure. Thanks, mate. That concludes our Two Robbies podcast special with Mark Clattenberg. For more podcasts from us, subscribe to the Two Robbies podcast on Apple Podcasts. So until next time, take care and bye for now. field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand